Such a, a visually powerful uh, video. And, you know, when you look at Christmas, you might not think of invasion, right? But we're going to look at this idea of invasion. Now, whenever you think of the word invasion, I don't know what comes to your mind, but usually for me, I think of the Marvel movies where aliens are invading the earth or there's some kind of military invasion. Is anyone, is anyone with me on that? Anyone? All right, you might think of Lord of the Rings. I don't know what comes to your mind when invasion comes, to the, that when you hear that word. But it's not one of those words that you would normally connect with Christmas. But I want to share with you that I believe that it is, it is indeed something that is part of Christmas. When we think of Christmas, we might often think of, you know, the songs, and we think of choirs, and we think of shepherds, and we think of the gifts. Some of us might think of Hallmark movies, like Pastor Mike does, and we see all these different aspects of Christmas, but we don't have this idea of invasion. Yet, one of my favorite authors, John Eldridge, he says this, and I am on board with this. He said, Christmas is an invasion. The kingdom of God striking at the heart of the kingdom of darkness with violent repercussions. And so I would say it this way, Christmas is the light of heaven invading the darkness of earth. Invading the darkness of earth, the light of heaven. And I want us to look at Advent as we pursue the, the book of Matthew together, seeing these different aspects of Christ's coming I want us to think in terms of invasion, Emmanuel, invading earth, because we, we need to have a different perspective. When we think of Christmas, we need to remember the powerful reality that it was and that it is and continues to be and will be throughout all of history. The incarnation is a powerful moment, but we often miss the real power of this idea of invasion. It was disruptive. It was invasive. It was powerful. And so I want us to ask this question as we reflect upon the book of Matthew. How does the Christmas invasion affect the earth? If we're going to say that this was an invasion, what does that mean? So we're going to be looking at the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, which comes right after the genealogy, follows on the heels of where we were last week. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The word of the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, 
but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Wow. What a powerful, powerful invasion. And we're going to look at four different aspects of how this is an invasion and what the effect for our life and what the effect of earth was. But let me share with you really quickly a summary that a uh, commentator named Blomberg gives us. He says, Having shown that Jesus has the correct scriptural pedigree to be the Messiah, Matthew now narrates five ways in which the events surrounding his birth fulfill the scriptures. The first of these is the most remarkable, miraculous, and controversial, the virgin birth itself. And so as we look through the book of Matthew together during Advent, we're going to see these five different areas of proof that Jesus is the one who is to fulfill Scripture. That was Matthew's point, after all, as he wrote this to a more Jewish audience. He wanted to show them how the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus, how Jesus was in the lineage of David, how Jesus was the fulfillment of all that the prophets had said. And here he shows us, even in this moment where there was doubt Where there was fear on Joseph's part, he is fulfilling the scriptures in the birth of Jesus. Within this text, we see those four aspects of invasion. And aspect one is the aspect of invasion of our plans. God many times invades our plans. Some of us who are planners, we don't like that statement. We don't like the idea that God can come and invade everything that we had put down together on paper that we wanted to do. All of our agendas, all of our ideas, all of the stuff that we have developed and said, man, I have taken so much time, my life is going to be awesome because I've mapped the whole thing out. And God comes in and he invades those plans and it's uncomfortable, it's disruptive, it's invasive. In fact, it is annoying sometimes when God invades our plans. I love how the the Life Nativity from Lifeway Pregnancy Center titled Christmas. They said it this way, Christmas is an unplanned birth that changed the world. This wasn't a planned birth. This was an invasion of the plans of Mary and of Joseph. God didn't ask permission to do this. He just said, it's happening. It's done. Have fun. Right? It's going to do, do what I want it to do. My plan will come to fruition. Out of nowhere, this happens where Mary is confronted with an angel and he says, you will give birth to the Messiah. Now, to her 13 or 14 year old maturity level, she went with it. She understood, man, this is from God. Okay, I'm going to be obedient. Joseph had different plans, as we'll see. He was a little bit more uncomfortable with the idea of what had happened. You see, there was no handbook for a virgin birth. I think we sometimes forget that. You know, because there's all kinds of manuals for birthing and all kinds of stuff that we don't need to go into detail on. But we develop those birthing plans and we develop those ideas of what's going to happen when our baby comes. And we develop all this stuff and, and we have this big plan. But there was no handbook. There was no plan for a virgin birth. It wasn't something that was written down on how to handle a birth when you're a virgin. It just wasn't there. And so the invasion of Mary and Joseph's plan was huge. This was disruptive. They were engaged to be married, and it says they were wed, and 
<coughs> that's true in Jewish custom. They would come together and the commitment with it would be a contract that said we are married. But Joseph would have to go develop and build the house and set up a home before they can have the ceremony and before they can consummate the marriage. So this was the time between the engagement, as we might call it, and the consummation. And so Joseph, looking at this, is saying, I am uncomfortable with the reality of this thing that you're telling me happened. That's not a plan. That doesn't even make any sense. You see, Christmas wasn't all twinkly lights and choir singing. It was disruptive, loud, and invasive. As we saw the picture of the shepherds, with the fire, and, and we saw the, the bright light of the angel coming to them, and the bright lights that transpired. It was loud. It was disruptive. But often we think of just this soft little baby, and we get all cute about it, which is good. It's okay to have a cute baby, right? But if you were there, <laughs> it would not be a twinkly, choir, happy, clappy time. It was loud. And disruptive. And as John Eldred said, it was a violent invasion of the earth. A violent invasion of the earth. Now, Joseph and Mary had big plans for their life. Maybe, you know, they were going to get married. He was definitely, well, they were definitely going to get married. He was going to be a carpenter and they were going to live their lives in Nazareth, just a normal lower class couple and they were going to live their life for Jesus for the Lord not Jesus because that's their baby but you know they would live for the Lord and that was going to be what they would do but God had bigger and better plans and I tell you that God often disrupts our plans because his plans are better you see you might be upset that the Lord is invading your plans but you know what that just means that your plans weren't that good that's not fun to hear, right? I mean, you could take hours and, and years planning out your whole life, and God's like, nope, I'm going to rip that up and throw it out. And you're like, but it was such a good plan. He's like, well, you thought it was a good plan, but I got something way better for you. The plan of Mary and Joseph li Joseph's life was so much better than they could ever have imagined. Think of the blessing that they had in their life where they could look at their son and say, this is of God completely. God will and often does disrupt our plans, but his plans are better. His plans are better. And that's part of the faith that we have to have in our Lord. When he invades our plans, saying, okay, well, I had it all, I had it set up, but maybe this is better. Let's step into what God is telling us to do. It's happened in my life several times where I've developed a really great, great plan. Hillary and I, when we first got engaged, we wrote out, a, well, it was more like me because I was like, this is what I want to do. We wrote out a 25-year plan. And, you know, out of like 17 things on this list, maybe seven of them happened. <laughs> We've not been married for 25 years yet, but there's no hope for those other 10 things to happen, right? Those things are not on the list that God had for us. God's plans are better. We see that God can invade our plans, and the next aspect of invasion is the aspect of guidance. God's invasion always comes with guidance and assurance. You see, God is not just going to invade your plans and say, good luck, have fun with that. <laughs> I'm just going to laugh at all the mess that I just created in your life. 
No, he's not going to do that. He's a good God. He's a good father. It might be disruptive. It might be loud. It might be annoying. It might be invasive. But he is going to bring guidance and assurance when he invades our plans. You see, the disruption for Joseph was so great. He was so concerned and so worried. Because, again, remember, there's no handbook. This doesn't happen. You can't just get pregnant that way. And so as Joseph is hearing this from Mary, there's huge doubt. He's like, this isn't my baby. This has to be another man's baby. This is, this is wrong. And so he decides that he's going to divorce her. But he does so quietly. In Jewish custom, Joseph could have had Mary thrown into the center of town and stoned, murdered for her sin. But because he loved her, And because he was a good man, he wanted to do so quietly so that she wouldn't be shamed by the town. He cared. His plans were disrupted. And he was unsure of how to go about doing this, thinking that there is no way that this is what she is saying it is. God, knowing Joseph's plan, invaded his dreams. He came in unwanted, undesired, into a dream, right? Have you ever had those dreams that are invasive where you're like, I just, why did I have that dream? That was, I hate that dream. I'm not sure Joseph hated this dream, but God can do what God wants to do, and he just invaded his dreams. He's like, you think you're sleeping? You think you're having a good night? Here I come, baby. (laughs) And he came right into his dream, but he spoke directly to his heart. And not only did he give him guidance, he gave him assurance. The Lord said, that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. He's confirming what Mary had said. He's confirming that what she said is true. That this is of the Lord. But we also have to pay attention to the Greek. Because it's very important. Words in scripture are vitally important. And this idea of conceived, the Greek word for conceived is genao. And it does mean to be conceived, but it also means to be the father of. And so here what the angel is saying to Joseph is that yes, God is the father of this baby. Now that's really hard for us to conceptualize. When it comes to the idea of resurrection, we can have some idea that someone was dead and they came back to life. But for us to conceptualize that there was a baby that was of the Holy Spirit, conceived of God as the Father, within Mary's womb, that is a difficult thing to grasp. And really, for our human minds, has to be taken on faith. And Joseph was assured that what Mary had said was true. We also have to reflect really quickly on the theological value of this statement. We can't just look at Christmas and, and have that, that nice view and, wow, like it's a baby, Jesus came, that's great. We have to understand the theological ramifications of what was said and what was done so that we can grasp the power of this invasion. Why was it violent? Why was this invasion of earth violent and have repercussions forever? Well, Blomberg helps us. He said, His father, in, his, in essence, was God through the work of the Holy Spirit. His mother was the fully human woman Mary. 
As fully God, Jesus was able to pay the eternal penalty for our sins, for which finite humanity could not atone. As fully human, he could not be our adequate representative and substitutionary sacrifice. The only way that we could have the substitutionary atonement, which means that Christ took it and gave it to us, this free life, new life, the only way he could substitute for our atonement was because he was God. We have to grasp the beauty of the theology as well as the beauty of the birth. Because his birth as God is vital for us to grasp. For us to understand that he is Emmanuel, God with us. Those words are theologically important as well as powerfully important in our lives. Not only was this pregnancy from God, but it was also this baby was also going to be God. Again, that's hard to grasp, but it is so important that we recognize it and understand it. God's assurance and guidance bring peace and purpose to our disruption. Here, Joseph's dream is invaded, and the Lord gives him assurance, but then gives him guidance. You will name him Jesus. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. He will wipe away our sins. I mean, this is all happening and transpiring in a dream. Joseph is listening to God's future for the human, but also the deified Jesus. The beauty of God-man is so wonderful to behold. Such a miracle. Such a wonderful and powerful theological thing. But here he not just gives the assurance and the guidance. He says, there's a purpose for my disruption. There's a purpose for my disruption. And Joseph, in that dream, received peace. This week, we're focusing on the Advent word of peace. He is the Prince of Peace, and here God gives peace. Whenever your plans are disrupted and God invades your life and invades your plans, sometimes it can be difficult to rest in peace. But I guarantee you that when you stop and reflect and ask the Lord, what is your purpose in this disruption? He will bring you peace. And Mary and Joseph needed peace because they were going to be maligned. Just understand that they were walking into this situation saying that this is the baby of the Lord. Imagine being in that time, in that day and age, and a woman who's pregnant says, yeah, this isn't my husband's, this is God's baby. God did this. Every person would be like, what? Okay, someone's lost their mind. So they would be pushed away. They'd be pushed aside. They would be ostracized. It wasn't like this big celebration. Oh, yeah, this happened. This is so true. So Mary and Joseph needed peace. The disruption of their plans ruined their life in some ways. But he brought them peace. Brought them peace. The next thing that we see, the third aspect, is the aspect of presence. God invaded earth with his power and his presence, which began with a promise. 
In Isaiah 7.14, which is what was quoted for God with us, Emmanuel, that the virgin would give birth, that was a quote from Isaiah. And not only was God in that dream telling Joseph that there's a purpose, there's a plan, this is true. He's saying, I've already promised that this would happen. Everyone's going to look at you sideways, but I've already said that a virgin birth will happen. This is a promise I have made, and now I am coming to prove the promise. I am living up to my end of this bargain. I promised it, and I'm doing it. And how powerful is that? When someone makes a promise, and they actually fulfill it. In our day and age, that's difficult sometimes to, to wait for. And sometimes it's really long when someone takes the time to actually fulfill a big promise that they've offered to you. And many times we as humans cannot and will not and do not fulfill the promises that we make. But here God says, I made this promise. Here it is. You're a part of my answering that promise. And the name they shall call him is Emmanuel, which means God with us. This baby <coughs> is fathered by God and is God. He invaded earth with himself, his very presence. It wasn't some messenger that he sent down. He came himself, which means that God chose to dwell with us in our humanity. John 1.14 says that he dwelt with us. He came and dwelt among us, which means he came and took up residence. He wasn't just passing through. He came and he dwelt among us. This is Emmanuel, God with us. This was an invasion of earth. Satan's kingdom, the prince of the world, knew that his whole situation had changed. Imagine a big bomb that comes down, boom, and has ripple effects in all the areas that surrounds it. Jesus' birth, when he came, it was a bomb and a ripple effect fold, filled the earth. It was felt by the prince of darkness. He knew that something had shifted, something had changed. And that's why we'll see Herod seeking to kill the baby. Because Herod was a tool, a puppet of the enemy. This is powerful. The unlimited God chose to live with human limitations. Not only did he come and dwell among us, he chose to live with human limitations. Babies are helpless. They need to be fed. They need to be changed. They need to be wiped. They need to be loved and cuddled and hugged. And here Jesus came as a baby with human limitations. Every limitation that you experienced as a human Physically, he needed to be fed. He needed to be changed. Jesus experienced all of that. Imagine any other God in the pantheon of gods or any other God that's ever described by the earth. They would never do this. A God who would come and serve, who would lay down their life. All other gods would demand that you lay down your life for them and say, yeah, I'm going to be this guy who's just going to force you to do really stupid, bad things for me. And I will be up here on Olympus laughing at you. But Christ came and made a way for you and for me. Hebrews 4, 15 declares this. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He came down from the throne of glory into a manger, into a place that probably smelled pretty bad. And he did it for you, and he did it for me. He did it for the world. This invasion would change everything. Hugh Halter, a great author about missions and missiology, he says he came so that his divine life could actually take root in you so that you could relate to him like humans used to before sin. Now we can relate to God again. We were cut off from relationship because of the sin of Adam. But now the second Adam had come and made things right. This was the beginning of the end for the enemy. This is where he crushed the head, the head of the snake with his heel. He desired that his presence in fulfillment of the promise would infuse us with his life and his power. And this is so powerful. This is so powerful. This is not a Hallmark movie. This is a war movie. <laughs> An invasion of earth. That is what the baby dwelling in the manger means. And Jesus didn't choose the easy way for himself either. He didn't come when everything was nice and smooth on earth. He came at one of the most dangerous times ever to be a Jew. And we'll see that it was a horrific death that Christ partook in. As we reflected here in communion, it wasn't a simple gas mask that he died of. It wasn't an injection. It wasn't even the electric chair. It was torturous, dangerous, awful, murderous. He didn't choose the easy way. Jesus came for you and for me. This is the incarnation. This is the baby in a manger. This is the invasion of earth. And finally, the fourth aspect of invasion that we see, and this is for us as a response, is obedience. Choosing to obey God's guidance empowers our ability to walk in or continue to walk in obedience. Here, Joseph began his long journey of obedience of God directing his path. Saying yes to this allowed him to say yes to the angel moving to Egypt. Allowed him to say yes when he understood the full picture of what God was saying. He walked in obedience, raising this child as his own. He walked in obedience. I love what uh, A.W. Tozer says. <laughs> he says, the ability to obey came with the decision to obey. In other words, God, where God guides, God provides. And when we say yes to his guidance, yes to his invasion, he will provide the way. We must surrender and say yes. Because as it says of Joseph, Joseph woke up and did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He woke up and he did it. He obeyed. He followed the way. God desires to invade our plans Offer guidance and assurance amidst that disruption. He desires to invade our lives with His presence and His power just like He promised. And He desires our obedience. Let us walk in obedience to His will. May we be tools 
of his kingdom to invade this earth with the power and the presence of Jesus, to see the kingdom of light come and defeat the kingdom of darkness. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you (coughs) for your love. We thank you for the incarnation. We thank you for the invasion of the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness. Jesus, we thank you. 